Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So today we hear that there is going to be sorrow in life. That the disciples were going to weep and lament at Jesus' going to the Father. And I told you at the beginning of the service that this text really prepares the church for the next three Sundays. It gives the reason for why we sing, the reason for why we petition our God, the reason for why we ask God always to hear us. There is a joy that comes from Christ, a joy that we possess by faith in Jesus, a joy that no one can take away from us. And it is this, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Romans 6, verse 9. Let me read that one more time. Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. We know that Christ is true God. He is also true man, born of the Virgin Mary. This is important for us. Jesus came to earth in our flesh, Conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, he took on our flesh. He became one like us in the body. And by Jesus taking on our human flesh, he accomplishes for us great and wondrous things that none of us could have ever done. By Jesus going to death on the cross, he does this in our bodies. He takes our body to the cross. He then dies and is entombed and then rises again from the dead three days later, not as a spirit, but in the flesh, in the very body That he was conceived with. Why is that so important for today? Because everything that Jesus does, he does in the body. That means everything that we praise the Lord for is praised because it is done for us and with the very body that we carry. That means if Christ has been raised from the dead and no longer ever to die again and death no longer has dominion over him and it was done in the body and he was raised in the body and he was glorified in the body, then what do we have to say about our bodies? But that we shall do the same. When we die in the flesh and we die in the Lord, we know this truth. That just as Christ has died, never to die again, so too we die, never to die again. We pass from death into life. Death no longer has dominion over us, and we await the resurrection. Jesus spoke to his disciples 
that very truth that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and die and be raised again on the third day. It was necessary because of what he accomplishes in his body for our bodies, what he accomplishes in his body for our soul to redeem us back from the dead, the wages of our sin. And he does it. But the disciples are sorrowful. They can't imagine being without Jesus even for a minute. He said, what does he mean by this little while? What does he mean that he's going to the Father? What does he mean by this little while that we shall not see him? They were grieving. They were sorrowing, having a pain within themselves that they really had no reason to have. Because... What was Jesus going to do but accomplish their salvation? The disciples should have understood that the words which Jesus was giving them here today weren't meant for their sorrow, but meant for their comfort. If Jesus goes to the Father, he goes to the Father in his body. If Jesus goes to the Father in his body, then what does that mean for us? We go to the Father in our bodies. That we shall stand at the last, and on the last day, as Job said, we shall see with our own eyes and not another, we shall see Christ. We shall see our Savior face to face. That means in the body. What the disciples don't put together is that everything that Jesus tells them here is for their comfort. I do this for you. I do this on your behalf so that you can go where I am going. Not as a disembodied spirit forever, but as the one who has been made and fashioned with the hands of God a soul and a body joined together to live before God in his kingdom forever, to live in innocence and blessedness and righteousness, to no longer be plagued by the sorrows and the pains of this life, but to come through this life victorious. In this life, we're going to have to praise God and sing to God glory in this life And we shall do it into the life that is to come. But we sing praises to God because we recognize God is the one who gives the salvation. He is the one who has rescued our bodies. Jesus said in this life that you are going to ask the Father. We have to pray to God. But there's going to be a day when we're not going to ask anything of God. And all things shall be given to us. It is the day of our glorious resurrection and the new creation. There's going to be a day when we won't wonder whether or not God has heard our cries for mercy because before we speak, he will answer. We will be within the glory of God and surrounded by all the company of the heavenly saints in their bodies and enjoying the fruits of of the laborers here on earth. 
There is a reason why Jesus gives this text for the comfort of the disciples. They are going to weep. They are going to lament. They are going to mourn death. They may even feel themselves as though they are dying inside because the one who protected them is dead, crucified. They hide in the upper room because of the fear of the Jews, which we just heard. But really, the only thing they had to weep about, the only thing that they had to mourn about was their own sin. That they had scattered and left Christ alone. The only thing that they had to mourn about was that it was because of their transgressions that Christ had to go to the cross. But it is in this, his hour, that though his hour comes and the suffering is so great that he sweats drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane, and though it is so great, the Father forsakes him on the cross, he does not turn away from it. Because the joy, which is the fruit of the cross, and the fruit of the resurrection is so strong and so powerful that it can never be taken away. It's different from happiness. I'm sure you do many things that make you happy. Maybe you have a favorite TV show. Maybe you have a favorite hobby. Maybe you enjoy hanging out with your kids or your grandkids. Maybe you enjoy your vacations to tropical places. All of these things make you happy, but they're temporary. They all have that in common. They're all temporary, and eventually you have to go back and face reality. That we, the church, the holy ones of God, are living in this little while between Pentecost and the time of Christ's return. And in this little while that we do not see Christ face to face, we often weep and lament. We let the struggles of this life determine just how happy we are. When Jesus says there is something greater than happiness that you all possess, which cannot change or be taken away, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what happens to you or what happens to your loved ones, no matter what you have or what is taken away from you, no matter what tragedy befalls you or befalls somebody else, no matter the greatness of your sin, you still possess this joy. It cannot be removed from you that Christ has atoned for every one of your sins. That Jesus went to the Father to give you access to the Father. That Jesus goes to the Father to be your intercessor, your mediator. And it is he who prays for you and who offers you the abundance of comfort. To know that where he is, there you shall be also. 
And yet you must wait a little while. It is said in Romans chapter 12 that we rejoice in hope. Hope is something that we cannot see that is yet promised to us. It's not wishful thinking, so get that out of your heads. You don't hope to win the lottery and refer to it as being your salvation. That's not the same. The hope that we have in Jesus is as sure as an anchor in heaven. It cannot be moved. That is why you can rejoice in it always. That because the Son has gone to the Father by way of the cross, we too have the hope and the reason to rejoice and have joy in this life. In the midst of our weeping over our transgressions, over the lamenting of death in this life, yet we still rejoice in the blessed hope that is given to us in the resurrection of all the dead. St. Paul goes on, he says, be patient in tribulation. Just as the woman in labor knows that her hour has come and is sorrowful, yet she knows not to give up because of the joy that is going to be promised to her in that a man is coming into the world. Jesus uses this example, and notice how how important and specific he is. He doesn't say a son has been born to her, but a man has come into the world. That this woman in this sorrow is yet going to rejoice, not in that there is a son given to her, but in the joy that this man is going to be for the world. This is Christ to the world. What he does and what he accomplishes is the pure joy for his church. And we likewise have a suffering of our own. Because there is yet sin in the world, we are going to suffer in this life. There, there is that thing that they always tell you in sports, no pain, no gain. Guess what? The same might as well be said for the church here on earth. You got to suffer. It's arduous, this task to be a Christian. It takes work. You have to be in the word of God. You pray. You're constantly turning yourself over to good works despite wanting to be selfish and care only about yourself. But be patient in tribulation. Be patient when the world does not like you, when the world calls you evildoers. Be patient and give yourself to these good works so that in the day of God's visitation, in the day of Christ's return and judgment, guess what? They will be forced to recognize that the works which you have done were to the glory of God and his name. Finally, St. Paul says this, be steadfast or continue steadfastly in prayer. I told you that this Sunday was preparing us for the Sundays that is to come, and it's true. We as Christians must continue steadfastly in prayer. We know what we possess. We know what cannot be taken away from us, and yet during the midst of of our hope in what is not seen, in our midst of being patient in tribulation, we have every reason to pray because it all seems so overwhelming. Pray to God. 
Pray to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, because it is he who has gone to the Father before us, the firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn of the dead, but we shall follow after him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it has not yet appeared what we shall be, but we know that when he shall be revealed to us, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That is the promise. Believe it. Live for it. Even die for it. Because that promise is made by God to you that you shall be made to be like Christ. The last thing I leave you with is this. It's a reading from the prophets that one of my friends posted online. He said, fret not Christians in the Christian heart. Remember this, that though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. From Habakkuk chapter 3. And ending with Psalm 30 verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes with the morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.